Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. So for I, I don't I want to save it for the field. I don't want to talk about Demeter in our pre-show chat, but I do think that we should use our pre-show chat to to at least lock in that we are doing Dick's the musical for next month. Tommy hasn't seen this because he was in the movie when you brought it up. So oh, Tommy, I've heard go of Dick's to, the music. What is it? Go to Discord and just watch the trailer. Quickly. It's an a, it's right a, now. It's the new A twenty four film coming yes. on September twenty ninth. And who is the woman that plays the lady boss in it? 
Oh, I think she's yeah, she's an art a, recording. Artist. Oh yeah, she totally is. What's her name? Uh, uh, is it? I don't want to get it wrong. So yeah, that's why I'm not saying. Hang on, but I think it's somebody. It's totally somebody, and I can't. And when I see that person, I always have to go through this all the lists Craig of the pop artists. And this you know. is Trevor Brock. Megan Thee Stallion. Megan Thee Stallion. That's what I thought it was. I would see anything with Meg Mullally. Should I open another yeah. bottle? Yeah. I, I know it's our second, but we're not back. I have the voice that we can say. I'm gay. Queer as a three dollar um, bill and just right, we'll as Who likes the fucking hand job? And I only play to win. Big, uh, God. Oh, we're gonna podcast. Have an awesome. Oh. Wow, a, a lady so, boss. Yeah. I guess it really is the year that it is. I'm so sorry. Did you say he's still boys? thinking? Hard. He still doesn't know what. I wonder if he's watching the same thing you watch. Disgusting. I have much more glee on my part. Did you see who? Did you say who did this? What the hell is it? It's amazing, right? So it oh, was it's Larry Charles. That's it's interesting. Larry Charles. That's right. Who is Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp? Did I know them from something else? Well, they're the two dicks in the musical. Based on <laughs> the state musical stage play, fucking identical twins, the musical. I love it. They so, wrote the book, and they wrote the lyrics and the screenplay. Looks like they're, so I this, don't know, they did National Lampoon's uh, Radio Hour. Um, they did, let's see, so they were, they're Broad City, um, 30 oh. Nothings, Janice Gunter, Ghost Hunter. So they've done a lot of shorts and series. Um, so there's, they're those guys. They, they okay. were on the Chris Gethard public access show and played the role, Jesus Christ, Razorblade, Tuna Fish, motherfucker. So you might have <laughs> known him from that. And it is Megan Thee Stallion. Yes. Yes. Did we already say and that? And Meg Mullally. It's like a it's it's yeah. a double pack. It's one. It's perfect. Could I'm totally I'm totally down because I'm down for anything eight twenty four and it's the fact that it's eight twenty four's first musical sounds yeah. great. That that yes. was exactly okay, why I like I didn't even know what to think about it, but it's eight twenty four logo on it, so I'm okay. And so let's plan on recording on Saturday the thirtieth. Yes, that would be great, and okay. then I now. can get it out now. the thirtieth or is do we have a thirty first this month? Not in September, you do Dang. not. But yeah, there is one in August. There is not one in September. Okay, well. Dick's musical record TBD. <laughs> Great. Well, maybe we record early and we do it maybe same day. I don't know. Um, Either way, I'll be late. Whatever you think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Uh, okay. Cool. We have to make, and, and we should check too, as we're saying this, I love that we're all agreeing to it. I think that's wonderful. I think it's going to be awesome to talk yeah. about, um, but we need to make sure that it's available in Oregon. <laughs> oh, right. right. All the Puritans. You think the Puritans are going to? Well, not so just, I think small and, you know, make know. sure that it's available. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So okay. Um, let's, let's I'm just adding it. Dicks. We're gonna watch some dicks. Uh, are we ready? I'm yes. ready. The film board gathers the gang of thugs is here to take on a movie currently in theaters. And this month we have a movie with no beginning and no ending. But does it have any stakes? As the internet wonders, or is there actually some meat on those bones? We're setting nice. sail on the last voyage of the Demeter. The Demeter, on charter from Romania to London. Shipping private crates, contents unknown. Out at sea with no land in sight. This here is Clemens. He's a doctor. You dress like a learned man. University of Cambridge. I know my way around the boat. Our charter has agreed to pay a bonus for timely arrival in London. Let me show you the ship. This here is Huckleberry. We don't come with like this to give the oars clear. To me, it's a fine boat, no doubt. This looks like a bite. Search the ship everywhere. Evil is on board. Powerful evil. Y'all, we've seen a lot of movies around these parts, but I have to say, this is the first adaptation I can remember that is based on a single chapter of a book. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm joined by literary hounds Justin J.J. Yeager and Tommy Metz III, and we're deep in the season of counter-programming here on the film board with a true return to form. The film board is talking about a box office bomb. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi. Hi. We did it again. The boys are back yeah. in town to do it again. <laughs> film board's down. Oh, dear. We can't work contrary to our M.O. No. For too long. <laughs> yeah. Can, you can give us a little tasty snack, but eventually we're going to come <laughs> right back to, to get clogged, arteries clogged, please. Emergency uh, resuscitation inbound. What did you think of this movie? The Last Voyage of the Demeter. I, and we should say, I, I'll give you a little bit of a story overview in a minute. Uh, but we should say it was based on the Captain's Log chapter of Bram Stoker's Dracula. I didn't see Bram Stoker in here at all. And I was looking. No. Um, and uh, so what do you think of this uh, fair adaptation, JJ? Well, I have to ask you guys, especially, uh, well, especially Tommy, but to, to the people that like scary movies out there in the mm -hmm. world or like vampire movies in the world, which I, you know, I don't know that that's your particular uh, cup of tea, Tommy. Uh, it, 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 what would prompt you to want to see this aspect or this chapter, which you said, Pete, to this story? I don't know. It's kind of like I just need to, I'm assuming, because I haven't seen any of them. I haven't seen the Bram Stoker. I haven't seen, because I've, I've only recently found a new appetite or awareness for horror appetite. in general. So okay. I go to this movie thinking, you know. This is something I can sink be, my teeth in. Yeah, this is, you know, there's there's some sort of, oh, see, I wasn't thinking. But, uh, yeah, uh, no, but I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is connected to the classic. This is something and all this stuff. And then it just really was just another the thing that was really that there really wasn't anything to it so i don't i know 
even now with being open to seeing horror, there really wasn't much for me here. So I want to know from a, someone who loves horror or, and if you can put yourself in the mind of someone who loves vampire, the vampire theme, like why, why would anyone want to see this movie? <laughs> oh, anyone? AJ's coming Please. in hot. Coming in mm. hot. Um, uh -huh. I do not care about vampires. I'm not a classicist, so I don't care about them as a monster. But I really liked the idea of this mm -hmm. because I liked contained pieces. And it seemed like it would be alien on a boat. Yes. Like just sort of oh. slowly picking. And that's very intriguing. If you can successfully make a boat, an old timey boat, like a haunted house and make it just sort of start picking people off and getting people paranoid and stuff. There's a lot of grounds for interest there. Instead, yeah. they made The Last Voyage of the Demeter, <laughs> which <laughs> takes none of the fun parts of vampire lore, like none of the cool, he shows up as humanoid at the end. They keep him in Nosferatu, and he's just a creature the whole time. One of the things, and then it's just so right over home plate, like there's no ingenuity. There's no new things. It's just... Mm -hmm. It's like they haven't seen a horror movie in a long time and they think we're still making horror movies like this. To that end, I thought, actually, if it wasn't so needlessly and relentlessly gory, it would be kind of a fun entrance into horror for people that had never watched horror because it's sure. just like a very straight up and down monster movie. But instead, they do hateful things to a young child and it's like really gross for no reason like they just sit on things as if they've made it and they were like oh this we're not going far enough scary so let's just make it really gross so well, no and i can tell you as someone who recently is the person that you're talking yeah. about it's definitely not that <laughs> no it's not but you can see the like it could have been Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why I, I mean, that's why I actually showed excitement when we chose it last month and mm -hmm. this kind of thing, because all of those things you mentioned, especially the the, the haunted house part, like the, those things that I know that you love. Yeah, I I, I thought there was a potential for that here. But yeah. I definitely did not get that at all. No. How about you, Pete? Well, I don't think I didn't like it as much as you guys didn't like it. Oh, okay. I think I didn't like it less than you didn't like it. But I didn't <laughs> I didn't love it. I went into it with the same sort of optimism that uh, that Tommy had, like the idea that they were taking an underexplored element from a classic work of literature that has never really been thoroughly explored in film because, you know, films. <laughs> it's like, you know, we'll sure. talk about it like this movie, this script was based on working on the model of the Demeter for Bram Stoker's Dracula in 1993. That's when this script was started by by our fair uh, That uh, long ago? Yeah, yes. Oh, man. Yeah. So we'll talk about it. Just hang tight. Just wait. But that's what I mean. Like this, the idea of taking something like this and exploding it into something more, I think would be great. Cool uh, idea, right? right? And I, mm -hmm. like, yeah. I'll tell you when I got worried. Opening frame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know, I I don't love framing devices. I always anytime I get a framing device that shows me the end of the movie and then bookends it to the to the middle of the movie, I get I get kind of frustrated and my first thought is, could they have made the movie without a framing device and had it been better? Because the opening felt like a vaudeville uh type thriller. It felt like the overacted, overpresented, like everything the lighthouse did, but like for comedy. Like I just didn't get into it at all. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the the whole mood of get oh go blimey get the constable we got a ship run aground you know and that that was like that whole vibe I just it turned me off 
But then we transitioned to the ship and the dock and the loading and the carrying the weird, like suspiciously coffin-shaped crates to the boat. Uh, <laughs> like all of those things, I felt like, okay, it's a little more grounded. Maybe I can get into it. And I, I felt optimism. Uh, so I felt like the the uh, some of the jump scares worked for me. I think generally the character design of Nosferatu-type vampire worked for me. Um I don't love that it stayed that way the whole time. I'm with Tom. Like, it just felt like that. that's where lack of ingenuity played. Um, but but overall, I got what they wanted to do. I just didn't love how they delivered it. And, mm-hmm. and that's where mm-hmm. it falls short. Let me just do, a, let me just do my little uh, presentation of the story, if I may. <gasps> yes. Very good. But do it like epistolary, like do it as if you're writing home from abroad. So I should have in the background. Like a ship's log have, or something. Yeah, yeah, we should totally have like scratching fountain pen on part. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. I love it. All right. Please stand by. Let me get my gear and I'll shuffle. Some... Okay. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, holy. On August 6th, 1897, the merchant ship Demeter crashes ashore in England, leaving behind a captain's log and sparking a macabre tale. Four weeks earlier, the ship had picked up mysterious crates in Bulgaria, leading to a series of strange and deadly events. After Clemens, a doctor and astronomer, joins the crew, he and his mates encounter a figure in the fog and discover a woman, Anna, buried within a fallen crate. As Clemens tries to save her, the ship's animals are killed, crew members begin dying mysteriously, and a local monster named Dracula emerges as the cause. About a dozen... About a... Uh, Local man, Dracula, (laughs) eats people. About a dozen blood transfusions later, the crew dwindles and a third act plan allows our bookended framing mechanism to meet once again off the coast of England, nary a Dracula in sight, as the movie closes with an epilogue chronicling the slow fade out of box office franchise potential. (laughs) The end. Is that about cover it? Perfect. Very well done. Wonderful. Here's the other thing that I find uh, I, I found frustrating about the movie is I like all of the people in it. And yeah. uh, I, I felt like Corey Hawkins was uh, great as our leader, uh, you know, as our leader of the as the astronomer uh, doctor uh, himself. I thought he was fantastic. I didn't question his English accent at all. I just really thought he was mm-hmm. great. Um, and Liam Cunningham, uh, our captain of the Demeter, uh, was, is always someone I am magnetically drawn to. He has a face that I just it, it just exudes the presence on stage. I've loved him since he he was in uh, since we had him in uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, so yeah, was he also the captain in Titanic, or do they just happen to look alike? They happen. No, to, they happen the, to look alike. Okay. Yeah, it's the it's yeah, yeah. it's, it's the, the facial hair yeah. stuff. Got it. Okay, uh, David Dasmalkian. He's he's a creep in a lot of things, and he's suitably creepy here. I don't know. I mean, I just that's that's kind of my sense. This comes from, and I should say, I don't know who wants to take first crack at it, but we have been. I, I got a DM from Stig in our. Uh, in, in our chat room uh, in Discord, who said, I'm not going to be able to make it because uh, it's 4 a.m. where I am when you guys are recording the live stream. But mm. I just want you to know, I can't wait for you guys to take a crack at saying the director's full name correctly in Norwegian. So does anybody want to take a oh. stab at it? Okay, I should do this. You, you I really had should. one year of Norwegian camp as <laughs> a young fourth grade, fifth, fifth grader. Um, Standing. And Andre is not, this is who we're talking about, right? Andre, Andre is, is not right? challenging. 
Yes, Andre. Andre we all is get not that. a Norwegian. No. It's not a native Norwegian name. But um, so the O with the slash in it is kind of like an. Overdal. 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 You think of the R. Uh, this is my guess. Jaku. I'd really like to hear from Stig on this. Yeah. It's it, it's kind of like a catch more than an R, so it's like I think, and oh. I might be going more Danish than Norwegian. Fascinating. In this, so uh, that is an interesting. I really want to hear from a Scandinavian friend. Pronunciation time with JJ. Yes. Again, one year of Norwegian camp, three <laughs> years of Danish camp, so that like changes it a little bit, and then five years at a Swedish company. So I like how all of yeah. this weird Scandinavian landscape, but it's like. I, I don't know why we I started just, with I you. You're, you're such a potpourri of Scandinavian languages. How do you say anything at all anymore? I don't even... Scoofier. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway. The, the Google yeah. Translate, here's my, uh, you know, the how, how to pronounce this uh, at Forvo says, André Uvredal. Uvredal. Well, close. Yeah. Yeah, it's I think the, the bouncing sing song. There's a little bit of sing song. So that's what I'm getting. I like André Uvredal myself. I think yeah. he's yeah. really great. And we actually did Troll Hunter on the show, which was a really, really fun mm-hmm. movie. Uh, and uh, so I went into this, and this is when we picked it. I went in with high, high hopes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've so, seen Autopsy of Jane Doe and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and both of those are legit. Legit. Okay, so then, okay, uh, this is great. So I am I love all the optimism. I had it too. Yeah. Even <laughs> so without all of the connecting tissue that you guys have, mm-hmm. which I think is wonderful. So we help me to see Andre and these other things in this movie. Where, where is, where's the good in this movie? Because all of the things you've mentioned here, that it really just feels like a, you know, like a bookended standard, like set them up and try to scare them. Thing, Incredibly which, adequate. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, it. That's great. Yeah. yeah you, you nailed it. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. And disappoint. I can put the word disappointingly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It just it never. And I was. It also did the thing that you're not allowed to do in a monster movie. <laughs> I was bored. Like yeah. I found myself like looking around the third time someone's screaming Volchek on a boat that at times looked great and at times looked not good, yeah. sound stagey, and yeah. um, at times the thing that destroyed me was whenever you would see candlelight through a portal. From mm. inside, it always looked like mm. really cheap haunted house lighting. Yeah, it did. Like so that, the, fl- the, that fake the, flickering thing. Yep. I was like, really, guys? The lighting, so the lighting to me at times felt really great. And at times felt really not great. It was really weird. So the, what it reminded me of was playing a video game that does a sort of fog of war thing. Because so much is dark, right? Mm. The idea is that it's all dark. And sometimes it used it to great effect to say, especially when we were in like the, the storage deck and all these kind of things of like, here is my complete visible universe as it moves through the space. Mm-hmm. And I think it did a good job of that. But then like you're talking about, it wasn't consistent and it was really I mean, at times it was just, you miss it, right? right? You That that could have been something to play with the entire time. Also, the camera work was really rough for me, especially in the motion control stuff, because like when so many times in this movie, when they wanted to scare us or they wanted to give us the idea of something something to dread in the world, they would give us a wide or like a landscape view of everything that we see outside. And the way that the camera moved in those sections was very was very inhuman, very almost a, a like a digital pan, right. a digital tilt, it, uh, this kind of thing that you could, it, it literally took me out of the human experience of what I was trying to watch. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that. I mean, I, 
I wanted at least to have a sense of being on the ship with them. And instead I was just, I was in the movie theater. This was you know? 100% supposed to be a handheld camera movie yeah. the entire time. Yes. yes. The whole time. I There's no reason. That. Unless they were like, the ship does that for us, but it didn't. Yeah. Because no, when you problem. move the, the camera. Didn't. Yeah. 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 Um, let's, so to stay on the experience on the ship, for a little bit. One of the mm -hmm. things that surprised me, and I, I said, I liked the opening bits. And part of the reason I liked the opening bits is because we saw a lot of the mechanics of the loading of the ship. And I thought that was mm -hmm. cool. Like, why is that? Why? I always think about this, like these cargo ships. Why are they so big? Where do they put stuff? Because it, it you know, right. invariably you end up in a ship and it's got like, you know, tiny, tiny hallways and there are doors off to state rooms and whatever rooms. And I don't know much about ships, but this one, you see the belly of the ship as they load the cargo in. And I thought that was cool. I liked the presence in this unexplored space on this old wooden ship. And uh, so for me, that felt like you're bringing me into the world in a way that was satisfying. And then the captain's log starts to read, right? We get a little bit of voiceover from the captain's log. And, and I actually find it forgivable in this movie because we're, he's writing the captain's log as he's reading it, right? Like that, and I, that it, is it, true it, to form. I mean, yes. the entire, that's one of the coolest things about Dracula is the entire yeah. thing is just letters, ledgers, right. I think epistolary. I'm using that word a lot. I think a lot. It feels, okay. feels very homey to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when he talks exactly. then about how many people are on the ship. And I didn't write it down as I'm watching the movie, but it was like five crewmen, a chef, uh, the captain and the other guy, you know, Vorchik. Uh, and then now we have Dr. Stronomer and uh, the kid, right? I think it's just very few people on this pretty big ship. And I had never made a connection before about how many people it actually takes to run a ship because my experience hmm. with ships at sea or like our flag means death. There are like 40 guys on that ship. It's like huge. So that I thought was interesting. It, it well, added to the sense of desperation on the sea, right? It just this is going to be hard because, as they say later, the more people we lose, like the less we're going to be able to hang out on watch, you know, because right, right. and that's going to impact us immediately. So. All of the mechanics on the ship I thought were great. So why did, whenever we went to attack time with Vampy, why did that feel so impossible, right? It felt impossible. Even with as few people on the ship as there were early on, and they started, it felt like somebody's going to hear the come running and this no one hears anything. The ship is the loudest <laughs> ship in the world, and then it's also like covered in soundproofing. Because you can hear someone go like this, but you can't hear someone do that with their face in a door. No, it's it was too small to have that yes. many corners and inability to be able to see what's happening. That's what Alien had. Alien had shafts and yeah. things. And you were, I mean, this there's was just real distance. Yeah, that. there's yeah. not enough room here on the ship to play the world's great, like you couldn't play hide and seek on that show. No. And, and yet no. the sin of the movie is that they pretended that you could, and we saw right. through it. That to me is right. the well, thing. And the whole, and the, well, they yeah. tried to play both sides because that whole knocking convention mm -hmm. could have been something to use, but they did not. No. They just brought it in when it seemed like, not, I don't even want to say when think, it seemed appropriate. You don't think it was used by, by uh, the grandkid when he was, being attacked by <laughs> battering face. It's not going to be great. I mean, 
That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, there were so many times where if that is the thing that everyone does on this ship or what this ship is known for, then do it and make it a thing. Yeah. But it's just like here. It, it, yeah. That was very frustrating to me for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was the ship itself. Other than seeing the, you know, the woman on the, on the, the mast, you know, five times in the setup, like I, I, it didn't, there wasn't anything that made it actual. It was just a platform for, to tell this, what was the word you said? Incredibly adequate story. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that was a that was a tough it. one for the for the production design because I think, you know, as Tom said, sometimes the ship looked great. Sometimes it really, yeah. really did. And right. and and you know, the problem is when it when it didn't. Um okay, so mm-hmm. now let's talk about the monster. Yes. This is a Dracula story, so let's talk about Dracula. Um mm-hmm. I, this is a different take on Dracula. Normally we have Dracula who is the sexy, the cosmopolitan, like this is the mm-hmm. kind of Dracula that we get who at night goes out on the town and does a lot of alleyway stalking and he's, you know, Anne Rice has interviewed him and, you know, it's a, it, it, that's the the Dracula that is sort of the gesh, cultural gestalt. And when you go back to to this, like in the, you know, this is more like last act Fright Night vampire uh, as purists. I don't, I don't remember the description of Dracula, but this actually the the design of Dracula and the performance of Dracula by Javier Botet, I think uh, actually was was good to me. I I liked him. Seems like you guys probably didn't. I liked it until I didn't. I thought it was admirable how they hid the full form. Yes, for a while, and it a was just time. sort of in the corner or like curled up and stuff. I always find that to be much more exciting. And then they showed it too much. Yep. And it sort of lost its ability. And then once it can fly, it's no longer alien on a boat. It's oh no longer God. alien anything. It's Superman fighting a bunch of idiots. Like, it's just not fun anymore because I wanted it to be more like The Descent, a horror movie where you're always just seeing these deformed, you don't really get a good look at them, but they're always sort of skulking around and using the frame in interesting ways. After a while, once we saw the thing, he was center frame. Yeah, they were like, time. well, we clearly want to show the CGI money that we paid and they just put him right there and they did that one fakie. He's running at the camera way too fast and it's just you get a flash of that and they did it nine times. Yeah, and that that was the worst. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. That thing when they did that, I was like, oh, I don't care. I'm not scared. I'm no. just like, blah. The two times that I liked it. So and this goes back to what you're talking about, Tom, the two set pieces that I liked it is the one. I believe he was Scandinavian on watch coming up and seeing the creepy thing crawling from like from the under the. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was fantastic. And like, where did you come from? This is the line. And then he attacked. Yeah, that was great. Mm-hmm. The other one is hole in the door with the door locked mm-hmm. and creepy Nosferatu standing up into the in shop. The yep. In the room that you can't get to. Those are great. Those are great ideas. And then exactly like Tommy said. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, and now he's a, a, a beast that we're going to have to do the same thing over and over yeah. again. And the flying thing, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if he can fly, I mean, I get it. It's part of the lore. But, like, it doesn't make any sense for this story anymore. You've lost it. Yeah. Right. I, I think that was the, for me, that was the snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Because what the, I love the comparison to the descent, Tom, because what the descent does so beautifully is as the monster increases in or the monsters increase in um, in sort of presence, the world gets smaller. And when they came up with the plan to scuttle the ship, 
I thought this is fantastic because they've added now the ticking clock of a ship filling up with water. And that means by necessity, the available space to run and hide is getting smaller, is getting compressed. We're going to be able to do wonderful things with that. But God, it flies now. It's everything's pointless because now you have to take the movie above deck. You have to get out in the air because you've just spent all this money on wings on this thing. Like it just was <laughs> right. It was it, it was way too like I approach this. We talk so often about Watsonian versus uh, Doyleist presentation. And this so this was such a Doyleist third act, right? The end of the second act was a snooze. And the third act was just all oh, we've got to put everything we put into this movie on screen and forgot right. the quality of the film that existed when the kid was being threatened in that office. And when mm-hmm. the thing was mm-hmm. scuttling around and uh, on in the dark corners, that's the movie that they, they had it. They had it. And they <laughs> let it go. Yeah. So and they forgot to. <laughs> drive the ship into the ocean <laughs> that seemed to be the point like even the captain was like i'll sail it into the ocean he'll never reach land right. F- full speed ahead full towards speed london ahead. the whole time you have ropes turn yeah. the boat around no and one, I don't no one know. thought I, to do that as a non-sailor like i don't know how the what the schematic is like like can you just always see land when you're a sailing ship like that like it felt like they could just always see the land as a real well, schooner head myself. Oh, what, JJ? Sorry. Well, I was going to say, well, there's that. And then the fact that they had lifeboats. Yeah. They had more than one lifeboat. Yes. For their crew of seven. <laughs> it, which, that's right. They had really one for each. One, for one each is for the cook. Right. And one well, is and for the chickens. <laughs> and then why would, why does Nosferatu care about the cook escaping? Like the cook escapes. And then is killed on the lifeboat. But it's, what is? The, it's like dri- no, it's like drive-through. <laughs> I, there's no motivation for the thing that's happening there. No, to actually happen. Right. And the, I mean, that we get into a number of story points that are like that. I mean, the 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 multiple cases that are filled with dirt and one with a woman in it. But what are the other? Is the, is there a Dracula reason why that we carry a bunch of dirt? Yes. Oh, what yes. Where we go? Yeah. Yeah. Is- it's the it's the like sacred ground. Like he when he sleeps in the ground, he sleeps in sacred ground. So it's effectively he's bringing his bed. Right. So that's his. Yeah. But then we have all these other crates of dirt. More. Like only one of them has a person in it. Right. right. Because he, he only needed one blood bag. The she was the blood bag. Right. You know. But evidently he needed seven because he killed all these other people too. Well, only after she got out. Right. And got cleaned up and oh. had so many transfusions. The idea was the plan was oh, he's traveling see, with any of all this. of his coffins of dirt and her, the blood bag. And the idea yep. was while he was underneath, then um, he would open up at night with his fancy room service, room service, yep. and he would have a snack and put her back to bed and just not kill her and then keep eating yep. off of her for the seven days when he needed the ship to to go but her casket broke and she was mm-hmm. not available so that's what made him so hungry and he had to get out and scuttle right. around and start, start killing okay. crew so that changes the story completely for my understanding of the story in that it really is the fault of the fact that they rescued this woman that all of this happened it isn't just like <laughs> literally had they not rescued the blood bag 
Yeah. The story changes completely. But it really, you yeah, go like, back even further, it's the idiot who let go of the rope that caused her casket to be damaged. It's the grandkid that needed to be rescued. Like, it's a cascading set of failures. Like, I get that. But what are they going to do? Like, that is a that is a Watsonian response in that thing. Like, you see a body coming out of the dirt and it's alive, you're going to rescue it if you're a Dr. Strong. That's what Clemens does. Yeah. But the interesting thing, so, like, and the rest of the crew... You know, and the weird Bad thing luck. of like the the yeah the the superstition mm -hmm. that has to be with 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 women in particular being on ships yeah which is a, a I guess a known stereotype of of the schooner heads mm -hmm. Tommy yeah but Tom, the, Tommy um, and his checks out. Yeah. right but like all of a sudden we've reinforced the superstition or maybe <laughs> maybe we've created the origin of the superstition I don't know but like. It's really interesting. Like, I didn't understand any of that logic that you just taught me. So uh, I thank you for that. But, but does like, that make it better? No, oh. it makes it worse. <laughs> That's the point. Like, literally saying that they were all right in their superstition, that if if we just hadn't rescued this one person, if we just hadn't saved the cat, yeah. the story right. would have been fine. But I don't yeah. think it would. Like, what, what, what should they have done from a Watsonian oh, perspective? There's not a, no. What should they have done? There's no. Right. Right. They There's... found a body that was alive and they have a doctor. I don't mm. I, I don't see any other way. If you've written yourself into a corner like that, right. the only way you write yourself out is to rescue the, the blood bag. So <laughs> this entire story yeah. is Every decision we've made has made our situation worse, and there's no way to make any other d decision. Like <laughs> yeah. it's actually not a good story. Well, because to watch the other then. the other end, JJ, is they if we go by the sailors, they found the body, and the body was alive. They throw the body overboard. That changes right. zero, because right, Dracula exactly. still wakes Nothing up changed. hungry and now doesn't have a blood bag. Either way, he doesn't have a blood bag. Terrible. Do you know? Because. <laughs> Do you know what the other boxes full of dirt were? I don't. No, like clean like clean sheets. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh bed. That yeah. was that was one of the most frustrating things that that uh, you know when they were doing there there's this whole section where they're doing the investigation of the caskets. And and I'm uh -huh. calling them caskets, but that's me being generous. I don't think they ever made an association with those as casket-shaped boxes. That was no. ridiculous. Um so they're prying off all the lids and all he does to check the dirt is like run his hands through the dirt and he stabbed one with his crowbar and said, nope, I guess there's no bodies in here, which <laughs> I thought was like the least thorough Scooby investigation I've ever seen. Well, there was a really weird cut reaction when he opened the second one while she's figuring out, hey, there's like a fun escape yeah. room box over here. He opens the second one and goes, <gasps> And then they do the reverse, and it's just dirt. It's just dirt. Did you see yeah. that? It was really weird. Yeah. Like something he just else was. Himself. I think. Yeah, dirt. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little bit of that, and there was also a lot of dialogue being delivered when that person was not on screen. So even right. though they had so much time to write this, and seems like nine hundred people wrote it and made revisions, <laughs> they then in post had to make some severe. Revision, because Talk, there's give me some examples part. like the stuff that you noticed that stood out. Um, like let's see. Um, why why London? There's this whole part where they're both in shadows, and they seem it's as if a test audience was like, "Why does he want to go to London?" 
and they had to explain <laughs> so the it. actors say why do we the actor want to says, go to london why london like they're in the middle of the search so it's not like it's not organic and he goes why london and i don't remember what she says i think she says like the nightlife or something i don't remember what she says <laughs> but it's done in shadow really really hurriedly and then all of a sudden they're there and they're clearly had not had been talking yeah. there was a couple of those of mm. just needing to explain things that it was like i was too bored to even wonder <laughs> Well, and that's why I, I think it's complicated. The adaptation is a big swing because so many of those questions that likely flummoxed modern audiences were answered in the chapter immediately before the captain's log and addressed immediately after right. the captain's log. Like, how do you adapt a chapter of a massive classic book like this and not have opportunities where you have to overexplain stuff. It it right. doesn't you don't have a whole movie if you don't do that. And I think what they ended up with was aspirational at at best, right? Like they they it was a big swing and it could have been awesome. It was not awesome, but still a big swing. Tom, go ahead. I remember what she said. He said, "Why London?" She goes, "Because my town it can't subsist. He can't. There's no one left to feed in. There's no one left to feed. And I was like, I saw a pretty bustling seaport. Um, <laughs> well, and like, it, why it, don't you move there? Why do you have to yeah. move across the water? <laughs> just like, like rent a new place. Um, no, everything that you just said is right. One of the things that really would have helped this movie would have been characterization. Yeah. And instead we got beardy number one, beardy number two, beardy number three. Bingo. And they all talked exactly the same way. The kid was great. The captain is cool because you recognize him. Everyone else, I rarely knew who I was looking at. Yeah. Like who? Yeah. And so that's, and you have time. You're just walking around eating potatoes. You have time to give these people like real specific stuff. And instead, they're all gruff. They're all mean. They're all superstitious. And they're all bearded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That That is. That I don't was, know why I want that piece of audio separated. I want that just to, as, I want that to be a loop. It's already well, a ringtone. What, what could have made the movie better mm -hmm. is if they took the dwarves from the Battle of the Five Armies and made them the crew of the Demeter. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. This sort of crossbreeding of right. this tiny story here and this tiny chapter here and just like, oh, yeah. yeah. And you open the coffin and it's, and it's Arwen, the wood elf, buried in so much dirt. She's so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh bear mccreary did the music did you have any love for mccreary's uh score on this one right down the middle yep, yep. which right is down really the middle surprising and i was like i don't i bet when the him. kid dies they're gonna do a child's choir they did <laughs> it's like <laughs> i could have done it and i don't know how to compose or anything and it's like this is just straight 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 Can, oh yeah speaking of the child dying that seemed hateful the, the movie yeah. hadn't earned lighting the child on fire like that, after we saw how painful it was for Beardy number four when it happened to him, I was like, when he was first being bit, I was like, oh, okay. Like, that is a line. You already killed the dog. We can see how this goes. But then to double kill him in such a painful way was not, you have to earn that. I, yeah, they double killed him. Yeah. They, they yeah. did. They double killed and him. And then but the salt water probably stung. Stung boy. so hard. <laughs> Everybody who fell into the salt water got stung bad yeah <laughs> um i i'll tell you that's interesting as we lean in on dead children by vampirism i don't i was more shocked when they killed the dog 
than when they kill yeah, the children. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. We should know yeah. that if you lead with killing the livestock and the one friendly animal, no that one, the movie's going to be terrible. Yeah, no one's protected. <laughs> <laughs> like, first of all, uh, in any film, uh, killing the dog feels like a cop-out to me. Maybe the John Wick uh, trilogy, n- n- not counting. Mm-hmm. But every other one where it isn't a major plot point, it's like, oh, here's the cop-out. You know, this mm-hmm. thing. Well, that was the the first clue they had in this yeah. movie. And it should have been the clue, first clue for us as audience members. Do, do we remember the way the, the, the book handles death of children? I don't, I don't either. I don't remember I, there being a child on board. I don't either, but I don't have a recent memory of the book. But what I do know is that my, as I've said many times before, my scariest, uh, most formative childhood horror movie experience was Salem's Lot. Salem's and. Lot. The the kids, uh, the way the kid is handled there is transformed into a vampire. And so kids become vampires and that sucks for everybody. But that, to me, is central to vampire lore. At some point, right. there's going to be a child vampire because that is like something they're going to die. They're going to burn up. They're going to be turned into vampires. That's the, the you know, vampire Lestat thing. Children get violated in vampire movies. And so. That didn't surprise me a single bit. And because mm. I liked the way the room was presented, uh, like the, his initial like dining sequence, I thought was um, I, I thought that was compelling. I actually I, now the fact that I wasn't surprised at all is probably more telling. Um, and the fact that he burned again, I, I, it was another one of those straight down the middle. Like, of course, he's was bit. And of course, the forlorn grandfather is going to be the one to rip open the sack and expose him to sunlight and of course there's going to be a horrific fire it just didn't that part didn't feel uh like to your point tom earned for sure Mm. but expected yeah i did expect Uh, it this movie i guess i was taken aback because this movie seems is very uneven very uneven but it's very uneven with how gory it is and how little it's interested in kills like almost all the kills are a shadowy figure racing across yes. the screen and then someone going oh, oh, and then dying like with horrible things coming off like it's not yeah. usually one involves the other a little yeah. bit more this one just wanted to race to the blood which i have no interest in the one <laughs> the one that was the kid was interesting because it is a great shot when you when they're looking through the locked door yeah that is now broken and you see the vamp dracula standing there holding the child off the ground and devouring his neck is haunting it is a yep. horrible shot and the last one where we uh, I, granted we see too much of the of the beast but he's holding clemens up and has the fingernail where he slices his neck uh, after he says i don't, clemens says i don't fear you i thought that was a, a cool exchange although brief and then back to chaos third act chaos um mm. I, I thought that was i thought that was an int- that was demonstration that there is an interesting relationship potential between Dracula and the kills and nothing else exposed that but those two sequences for me. That makes sense. Oh, wow. Speaking of the descent, Neil Marshall was on board to direct at one point. Yes. So many. Isn't that fascinating? So many. Isn't that yeah. fascinating? What, what, what can we talk about the history of this? You said 1993. I can't. 
I can't even get my head around all of the bullet points you listed yeah. in the history of the Pete listed the entire path. incredibly bumpy and long development history of this movie, which has been going on, which I think they're still trying to make it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're getting I, real close. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the workshopping version. Yeah. Well, so it was uh, Bragi Shoot Jr. who started writing while working at a miniature model shop in Hollywood on Bram Stoker's Dracula, Coppola's Dracula in 1990. That was obviously a 92 film. So possibly 1991 they started. It's 2023 now, y'all. Um, Unbelievable. It, that, this has been a long, long road. Um, Phoenix Pictures had it at one at one point. Uh, Robert Schwenke set to direct and rewrite the script with uh, Mitch Bryan. James Hart, screenwriter of Bram Stoker's Dracula, submitted a new draft of the script in 2006 now. We're 15 years later, and we're still trying to get this done. Marcus Nispel replaced Schwenke. 15 years later, 17 years ago. 17 years ago, yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, May 2009, new director. Production supposed to begin the same year. Due to difficulties with the period setting and filming on water, and don't forget working with kids and animals, um, mm -hmm. Uh, Nispel departed and was replaced by Stephen Rosowitzki in March 2010. Producers would be Mike Medavoy, Arnold Mess Messer, and Bradley J. Fisher. Fisher met with, get And they this, stuck around, right? Numi Rapace in 2010 to discuss the film. What would Numi have done with this movie? Uh, he made revisions to the script again, cast Rapace and Ben Kingsley in October of 2010. Uh, Rosakowski. Wait, who uh, is Ben Kingsley going to be? Project. I Clemens? He, would he be, be the captain? Captain? Yeah, I would. I would imagine That's he would be the captain. Part. Okay, that makes um, more sense. David Slade joined the project as director in 2011, but Rapace left because of Prometheus, which she Ooh, she, she left because of Prometheus. Fire into another right? fire. Jude yeah. <laughs> Jude Law. Uh, was in talks for, to play the lead role uh, after Rapace's departure. Despite signing on to a Daredevil film, Slade reassured in April 2011 that the project was still in progress. Neil Marshall in Millennium Good Films. Good thing that that scheduling got cleared up yeah. <laughs> in 2011. <laughs> Just yeah. saying. Uh, Neil Marshall and Millennium Films joined the project to direct and produce in 2012. My kids weren't even born yet. No. You realize. Yeah. We're this talking. is rough. <laughs> you know? In June, Vigo Mortensen began talks for the lead role. Kingsley was still in it, but Rapace was all but gone. 2014, Marshall, like the directors before him, remained hopeful about the film, but left the project. Andre Uvredal became the director in 2019 <laughs> with Amblin Partners, right? So now we have the Spielberg connection uh, obtaining the rights. Corey Hawkins joined in January 2021 with an entirely new draft by Zach Olkiewicz. December 2022, Shoot Jr. and Olkiewicz received screenplay credit. Shoot Jr. received screen story credit. Brian Kofiel, Hart, Ruzikowski, and Schwenke credited with additional off-screen literary material this is a winding road it's interesting well, the amount of i think we're going to get off screen uh literary we, it's possible they're going to go back and do an edit. <laughs> that's a fair amount of caucasian actors playing at one point playing a role that is really his one that's the only thing that defines him versus other people is the fact yeah. that he's african-american and talks right. about that that's right. yeah interesting yeah. like if Change you took it. that away that character becomes as much of a cipher as the other people. Precisely. Vulture! Right. Oh, and so and I, again, Vulture. I like uh, Corey uh, Hawkins. And yeah, so he's great. 
I, I thought he was great. And I actually I didn't think that the uh, the addition of the um, <laughs> racial profiling angle. Right. Like right. Uh, black doctor, black can't get a job, black, all this stuff. I thought it was handled really nicely for the time. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was yep. it was well executed. I, I wish the rest of the movie was as as sincere. So uh, I. Oof. This is a rough mm. time for this this movie. Like I I called it a bomb in the beginning. I, it, they had they had projected six to eleven million dollars opening weekend. It hit six point five. Um, it's oh. it's not it's not good. Um, <laughs> no. and they opened like it's still on the heels where people are seeing Barbie and Oppenheimer multiple times. Like this is a rough season to open. It opened opposite. Talk to me from Bloomhouse and Haunted Mansion from Disney. If you want your spooky stories, there are other arguably bigger pictures to see. Uh, and they didn't call it Dracula. Like I actually deeply wonder if they put Dracula in the name like they did in Australia. The Australian release is Dracula Last Voyage of the Demeter. Like that's a uh, that's a better title. Better. I think tell people right. what they're getting, and maybe they'd be more interested in exploring it. So a lot of things standing against this movie. I think the Dracula is the only thing to sell this movie. I mean, I I asked before, like, who is the movie? Who who wants to see this movie? Even today, like, I don't know who I'm gonna tell the about tell this movie to. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's gonna hear the story and think, oh yeah, I want to see that. Even if it was, it, even if it was good. How do you sell it? It's just a vampire. It's a it's a vampire. It's a Dracula movie. It's a vampire movie. That's that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all it's got right now. There's nothing. There's nothing interesting compared to anything that's in the in the theaters today. Well, let's let's just armchair a little bit. If you're Amblin okay. Studios, the way yep. this movie ends, leaning in on the fact that it's a movie that technically has no ending, um, they get to England. They get to Sweeney Todd. And uh, right. and at the end, they Dracula is dressed finally as a man, still with bad teeth, uh, big hat over it. But he has the cane that has been an, an affectation, uh, a, a weird focus, uh, a, like an unusable focus on the ship. Um, and <laughs> our principal, Hawkins, or, uh, Corey Hawkins' character, Clemens, has survived. That's the thing that you know we didn't know because the ship in the beginning everybody was dead in the ship but it's because hawkins made it off the ship and now hawkins has dedicated his life to take on the mantle of the the only other character that i know that could fit that mantle is van helsing i don't right. you know and so that's already taken somewhere else so here's clemens is van helsing and he is dedicating his life to stamping out the evil that is dracula and we end on a cliffhanger walking down a dark alley. I is, really thought when he was like, I, he was looking at stuff, he's like, I can follow this, but I know someone who can. And then he has like a newspaper article for Van Hels. I thought they were going to try to at least connect it. His name is Hawkins, uh, what, Jonathan Harkness? Yes. Harkness definitely. is the, uh, for Lucy, lack of a better term, the, the, uh, yeah. yeah, Lucy and Harkness, uh, like to bring it to them. Yeah. Close it off. Uh, but instead, there's just this guy who, we, we've read the book, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> he walks out of that bar and falls into the river or something because he's not he's not around. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think that's the that's the thing that I uh, that is that's where this if we were interested in that's where the speculation would go. Is they trying to is this yet another attempt at Always. entering the monsterverse from a different yeah. direction? Uh, I don't I don't think this was the key. No. No. <laughs> no. 
No, it was just so frustrating. No, I, I think if, if we're really thinking about that, I still think, strangely enough, I think Mummy, which was not a good movie. It had more charisma. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Much better. All right. Uh, well, let's do just a just a brief bit of housekeeping, can we? Uh, because mm. I have I have notes, I have updates uh, for those who are following along in Discord. Uh, I've been hard at work in Discord. I'm making lots of changes. I'm making big moves. Uh, and you really uh, are. So we're you're really we're tippy so tappy. Much. I was really mm -hmm. tippy tappy. And so Discord now, uh, the nextworld.com slash Discord will take you to our general invita invitation page. You can accept that and join our server. There are a lot more public channels now. So we're trying to open up more discussion across the communities at True Story. And we would love to have you there. So if you're a fan of uh, WTS Presents All the Feelings with me and Tom, or you're a fan of The Next Real with me and Andy, or if you're a fan of The Mand Cave with Mandy and Mandy, uh, or if you're a fan of any of the other shows that we do, um, it's a, a great uh, place to go talk about movies and pop culture and all kinds of fun stuff. So we invite you to do that, even if you don't become a member. Though, what I hope you find is when you get there, you say, hey, I'd like to support what these guys are doing because it's really cool. And I'll go to thenextreel.com slash membership and I'll do it right now. And I'll throw a couple of bucks at the at the show and uh, because I want them to keep producing all this great content. And I'm going to share uh, share my winnings with them because we live in a complicated economy and we got to help each other, you know? Yeah. So, and we saw Demeter for you. We did. We, did. <laughs> we saw Demeter so you don't have to. You, you want us on this wall. You need <laughs> us on this wall. In fact, you could say we saved you $5. Mm. Yep. $12. Yes. $5. 1985. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Uh, See a movie and get a phosphate. <laughs> that, <laughs> that leads us. Uh, that really sweet transition leads us right into Letterboxd. Uh, you can find nice. all the stuff we do at Letterboxd. Letterboxd.com slash the next reels or HQ page. And uh, we want to see how, how are we possibly going to rank this thing on Letterboxd. Out of five stars, a heart to indicate if it's a guilty pleasure. Where do you go, Tommy? Well, two. <laughs> I'm going to say two stars out of five because it is adequate. It is competent. It is just not good at what it tries to do. And so also no heart. There's almost no reason. The only reason to watch this movie again is I thought the little boy was very charming and very good. Mm -hmm. I thought he was really cool. Everything else, I just had nothing, nothing to come back for. Because even good actors were saddled with nothing to do except scream Vortex. Yeah. JJ, I imagine you're not going to be it... as kind. No, I gave it a one. And I kind of tried to add a half star in there a little bit to give it something, but it really is one. And, you know, with my new appreciation for horror, I'm it, when it's not good horror, when it's then it's even worse for me because <laughs> it's the kind of thing like I'm taking a leap by seeing this movie. I don't I don't really want to choose to be scared most of the time. So you got to give me something. Right. And this movie gave me <laughs> nothing. I'm not going to re recommend it to anybody. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that's a movie I saw. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like right. Like and and maybe be embarrassed to admit it. So I gave it a one and no heart. And again, if I can figure out someone to share this movie with, then maybe. But right yeah. now it's a big no. <laughs> well, I so I'm a two as well. And I, I worry a little bit about that because I came in, I think, higher than you guys. And, and uh and if I go by the IMDB six star rule, you know, if it's six stars or over, then uh, out of their scale of ten, then it's worth watching. And I, I came in at four. Technically, that's really bad. Bad movie. That's a bad movie, mm -hmm. you guys. And I'm, yeah. 
I feel guilty about it. I'm not going to change it. Like at Tuesday, that's that's sort of my my experience, and no heart. Um, I don't I don't love it guiltily. I just don't I just don't love it. So I um, I'm sorry about the Demeter, mostly because I went in with very high hopes, and I think that this this was a a bunch of really weird left turns. Uh, maybe it needed more left turns. I don't know. It it didn't. Yep. Didn't land well. I will say this for it. It's shorter than Oppenheimer. <laughs> and funnier? <laughs> no, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, as always, uh, you guys, thank you so much for hanging out. We've already done the hard work of choosing what next month's movie is going to be. We're going to have to wait till the very, Yee-haw! very end of the movie. It is, well, it's an, the A24 whistle. The A24 called. And we are answering. The 29th of September is going to be Dick's the musical i know (laughs) right i know i know what you're saying you're saying but pete that title is so stupid we are reserving judgment because the trailer looks great so we're gonna play the trailer right now you can go listen to it as soon as we're done here and then uh go watch it it's it looks funny and we're very very excited about it because we're real musical lovers (laughs) in addition to scooter heads (laughs) <laughs> if there ever were a more appropriate movie for a group of us yeah. to watch <laughs> I just don't know <laughs> thanks everybody for hanging out with us Dick, don't forget to join our online community uh, that, that uh, link again is thenextworld.com slash discord and thenextworld.com slash membership that'll get you into the membership do all the stuff you're supposed to do with your podcast rate, review, subscribe and of course listen but most importantly please share let any of those movie lovers uh, that you love know not to see the Demeter, but to come listen to us talk about it right here <laughs> on the film board. Meeting adjourned. Well, because I think of a number of reasons of rescheduling and all kinds of things, we have no one hanging out in the live stream with us. But um, Sorry. Also because who would have seen this movie as urgently as no. we did? I You're haven't well. seen... This was we saw it at at, at the uh, Century Cedar Hills JJ and it was this was the the last oh, theater on the right like yeah. I haven't seen a movie yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a movie in this theater it was a big screen TV yeah yeah tiny tiny, tiny. I was in that theater too yeah it was yeah so small uh, we we there was one other the person on the right the, the there's it. one other person in the theater and I think they went to the bathroom like seven times uh, we so I saw it with Rosie and like there was someone who came up and was and was sitting next to her on the end because we try to you know kind of make room all the time yeah. he came up and sat there and he left after about 15 minutes left all of his food and everything and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> no. wow wow he's yeah. like a one of the crew of the demeanor <laughs> Yeah. Watching the restroom burst into flames. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, 
biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and the Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. Next Reel.